Welcome to Kara's Cures Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the leading edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundland. Today's episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. So, what constitutes a great marriage? Everyone wants to know that. And joining us now to talk about it are the authors of the book, The Go-Giver Marriage, a little story about the five secrets to lasting love. And they know a little bit about it because uh, they are both a couple of 24 years. John David and Anna Gabriel Mann, welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I know that you've really uh, been experienced in your field from family therapy and marriage coaching for you, Anna, and John, author of nine New York Times uh, bestsellers. So uh, I'm interested to see what you say. As myself, I've been married now uh, 18 years. I can't believe it. I guess it's a good sign that, that it seems like it's flying. But um, you're saying there's really simple shifting tools that can make the difference because anyone who's been married knows that uh, it, it does I don't want to say take work, but it takes uh, strategy sometimes to make things work when life gets so busy. Absolutely. Everybody that gets married brings all of their emotional history and all of their so-called emotional baggage to the marriage. And while the kiss of romance is still alive, everything feels perfect. But in the you know, once the honeymoon wears off and, you know, now real life is happening and you're both busy and you've got jobs and life is going at 120 miles an hour, all of a sudden things start rising. You know, issues start coming up. Maybe one of you is a little controlling. Maybe one of you is a little critical. And there are real clues to how you can not only shut down those behaviors, but use behaviors that will actually counter them, that will strengthen your marriage and make the bond much deeper and more intimate. And John, you guys write about how one simple practice can transform a relationship in just days. What's that? Yeah, you know, I think it's important to understand that, that, that shifting the tone of a marriage, changing the quality of a marriage or a relationship doesn't have to be a big sweeping dramatic thing. It really is the little things you do every day. You know what, Kara, it's just like health. The way that you build health is by your the little habits you have every day, how you eat, how you exercise. A relationship is the same way. One of the things we talk about is, we call it the first secret in the book, is to appreciate the other person. And that sounds so obvious, like way too simple, right? We, of course, he knows I appreciate him. She knows I appreciate him. But we forget. So we say, take three times a day to find something you love about your partner and take a moment to tell them. Just point it out and be specific. Because, you know, nobody needs our help falling in love, but people need help staying in love because we forget. We start taking each other for granted. Those simple things, those simple acts of kindness and, and praise and appreciation that we do every day, they make such a difference. Mm, I love that you quantify it and it's three times a day because those little micro shifts, like you said, add up. But Anna, tell us about this can work even if you don't tell your partner you're reading the book, even if he or she's not doing it. Exactly. Actually, our coaching is with one person in the marriage at a time. We don't coach couples, we coach individuals. And the reason is that the way to grow and change a marriage is to grow and change yourself. Whether you're healing a childhood wound or whether you are practicing how to be a better spouse through the actions of the secrets, it, generosity is powerful. And when you are giving to your spouse in ways that add value to their lives, in ways that take care of them in little ways every day, those are really powerful gestures. And so what happens frequently is that we'll have a client who is practicing the secrets alone, and all of a sudden, 
you know, they'll come back two weeks later and say, no, you don't understand. Things are different. <laughs> it's because the minute you start really coming from that place of generosity, your partner feels it. And specifically, I'd say when you shift from criticism to appreciation, that's a really powerful shift because criticism is one of the things that will take down a marriage very quickly. And if it's consistent that you're criticizing someone, it'll take down the marriage for sure, because nobody really wants to live with that critical person who's picking them apart and who's trying to control the dynamic. It's, it's, uh, it's simple to shift, but it's important to remember to let go of your scorekeeper. Yeah, and I, I just want to dive into that, John, before I move into, I want to ask John in a second, but I want to dive into that with you, Anna, that you said criticism can take down a marriage faster than anything. There are some of us who probably tend to be more critical, and maybe that's what you said from childhood, that it's an inner critic going on. And often people will feel bad after, oh, I didn't mean to say it like that. Uh, what's your advice for someone who, who realizes they probably could go about things differently, but they're just wired to maybe be perfectionistic or critical? My first, my first advice is this, look at your parents and look at your history and really figure out whether or not one of your parents was the perfectionist or the critical one that you could never please, that you were always trying to measure up for. Because when we get married, we make a choice. We either marry the person who's critical and a perfectionist because that's what we experienced as a child and we're still trying to fix it, or we become that person. And either way, it takes self-examination. It takes compassion between the two of you to not only own and admit, hey, you know, this is my history and I seem to be acting it out. And I really want to shift that because what I really want to be able to do is allow for you to be who you are and not to be in this critical stance of picking you apart because you left your socks on the floor again. You know, it's like, is that really the thing that's going to make or break a marriage? And second, actually not being appreciated is the number one reason that people cite for getting out of marriages and getting divorced because they felt like they were criticized too much and they did not feel appreciated. So it's a really very basic component of keeping a marriage healthy. The number one reason people say, interesting. So John, you talk about cultivating a spirit of generosity that can really even de-escalate tension in an argument because couples do fight sometimes. So how do we conjure up that spirit of generosity to de-escalate? Yeah, yeah, that's such a, such a great question. And you know, this thing that Anna just said, the number one reason, there's a statistic in business, the number one reason people cite for quitting their jobs for leaving in a place of employee is guess what? Lack of appreciation, wow. lack of being appreciated. Wow. It, the same principles work in business, work in marriage, because it's just relationships with people. And you said, you know, what What if, you know, you're wired that way to be a little critical? There's this great scene in Jerry Maguire, the movie, where he says, what if I'm just not wired to be passionately in love? Well, here's the thing. We can change our wiring. You know, neuroscience has told us we can actually change those neural patterns in our brain. And that's exactly what Anna's talking about. And it's, that's how you adopt a spirit of generosity. Now, how do I do that? Actually, through simple habits. It's just like exercise. It's just like diet. It's through simple things you do every day. If you have a tendency to, to be critical, if you've, you've, you've learned that from childhood or whatever, it's your nature, it's your wiring, implement the habit of appreciation. The way to change a bad habit is to replace it with a good habit. 
And the habit of looking for things to appreciate, it's like building a gratitude list, right? Looking for things to appreciate, specific things, and saying it out loud will replace that habit of criticism. That's what all, all the five habits that we talk about, the five habits to lasting love, there are also five toxins that will take down a relationship. And the five habits are designed to replace those five toxins, toxins and, and wipe them out. Well, tell me what the five toxins are. Oh. <laughs> well, Anna mentioned criticize, right? That's the first Criticism. One. That's number one. The second one is, that's number one. The second one is neglect. And it doesn't isn't necessarily malign or intentionally mean. It can't just be because you just are, get stressed and you're involved with other things. Neglect is the number two toxin. Number three is a big one, is control. Being controlling, trying to make the other person be a certain way that you want them to be rather than letting them be yourselves. Anna mentioned that. The fourth toxin is called contempt. And that's just when you start to really, the long patterns of daily criticism turn into, into viciousness. You start to really lay into the person for how they are. You always do that. How come you never do that? You always do this and that. That's contempt. And the last one is stagnation. When we don't grow ourselves, it'll take down a marriage. Wow. Yeah. So those are things that, I mean, we all have to examine ourselves. I love the idea of self-growth. And let me ask you, Anna, is it equal for men and women? Do usually one person does a little, one person does the other, or, or how does it play out dynamically? Usually when one person starts practicing the secrets, they, they get good at one or two or three of them, and then they start expanding and really opening up the gates to a much more generous spirit with their partner. And that's where it really begins. And what you'll see happen is the partner starts to move closer in. When people are being criticized or when there's contempt in a relationship, people start to back up. They, intimacy really starts to move away, away. And that's when you'll see that you know people are starting to warm up. And when they warm up, they're like, you know, you just seem different. Are you not as depressed? You know, is your job going better? You know, they, they start asking those questions like, what's going on here? Because everything feels better. And I've even had couples where, you know, the person who's practicing would say, well, my husband took me out to dinner. And over dinner, he said, you know, I feel like we're back in the romance stage. I don't know what's shifted, but it's wonderful. And I love it. And I love you. And she said that did it. Like that was the moment when she realized she had turned a corner and she had taken several bad habits and she had replaced them with these more powerful, positive, generous habits. And her husband was really not only responding, but he was really coming closer to her in ways that she was really enjoying. And so it's it's also about healing. It's about, you know, when you realize that you're critical or you're a type A personality who's more likely to pick than to praise. You know, that's a, a real thing to pay attention to because it's your material. It's not your husband or your wife's material. It's yours. So getting to that place of self-knowledge and understanding, maybe that you work with a coach or a therapist on your own, simply to uncover some of the ways in which your childhood impacted your adult way of being in the world. And now you can start to shift it, sh change it and change the marriage. Yeah. And for those who haven't maybe done therapy, I'm a big proponent of therapy, but if you've had stuff at childhood, people are like, oh, that's years ago. I'm over that. Uh, our wiring, unless we've paid attention to it, um, really can show up. Like, so the same kind of, if you grew up very fearful and insecure in your home, perhaps you're going to play that out consciously or unconsciously in your marriage. 
not only do you play it out, but look at the wave of anxiety across the United States. Anxiety is a massive mental health issue. A lot of people struggle with anxiety and anxiety is directly linked to either trauma, whether it's childhood trauma or even teenage or adult trauma. Trauma really impacts how people operate in the world because it changes the brain. It changes the amygdala's response to how you handle stress. And so, you know, something as stressful as your child falling out of a tree can trigger a full-on panic attack for people because it raises an old emotional wound. And this is happening unconsciously for people across the world. Everyone, no one has escaped from childhood without emotional wounds. It doesn't even matter if you think, oh, I had this ideal childhood, right, John? I mean, you, we've all, you could have trauma with a capital T or trauma with a small T, like you said, some things that you're not even realizing are still really that's, affecting how you relate. That's exactly true, and that's so well said, because, you know, you hear trauma, we think of, of horrific things like, you know, warfare or, or, or uh, you know, violent crime or things, but yeah. Tra trauma is very subjective. And you may think, I had a happy childhood. Everything was fine. My parents got along. You know, my parents got along doesn't necessarily mean you had a fantastic childhood. A lot of marriages don't break up. They don't blow up, but they go into what we call a deep freeze. And often there are behaviors that are under, under the surface. They're never discussed at the, at the dinner table. They never blow up into full-blown arguments, but they still leave their scars. Neglect, yeah. abandonment depression, you know, not being free with our feelings. There are lots of things that come from our childhood that we may not even realize are scars, but they can be. Well, and I want to give people the empowerment to know that, oh gosh, that's something I'm not even aware of is ruining my marriage or making it hard. <laughs> no, this is the point of this book is that you really uh, talk about it in a way that maybe you want to read it together with your spouse or you can read it alone. But these are really empowering, just like you have the five toxins, you've got the five solutions. And you're saying, once again, we use these five healers. And you can notice the shift right away. I know people are so results driven. We want results right away. Absolutely. And you know, it, it, it's mentioned earlier about how it's like health, right? Your, your, your love is like health. Yes, a relationship can have a big argument and have a blow up like a heart attack or like a stroke. But where health is really built is in the things you do every day. Every it's all day. the positive things you do every day that really build that long term. And Anna, go ahead. I want to hear your perspective, too. I, I'm sorry. I know you guys are coming from different parts of the country, so you can't see each other. Go ahead, Anna. That's OK. Um, I was just going to basically repeat what John said, which is to say that you know, there's moments in every marriage where a fight escalates. Um, and that's not a tragedy. You know, everyone fights. It's learn how to fight fairly, learn how to have compassion and learn how to be allowing. The secrets really give you an opportunity to really practice generosity. And when you do, intimacy deepens and people really feel the difference. So uh, there you go. You've got it. You've got the people who are naturally maybe a little bit more like open. I'm so sorry. You've got the other ones who get all riled up and they're more type A. But this is really a book for everybody. And you can learn just how to have a happier marriage, which is great for both of you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We feel that marriages across the country, many, many marriages that might be on the rocks and or where intimacy and closeness has backed off can not only be shifted, but can be shifted in powerful ways that will surprise them. Some of the leading researchers on marriage in the world actually almost broke up when they were 
uh, you know, 10 years into it, what is now a 30 year marriage. And that's Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt. And they're very candid about the ways that they were basically taking their marriage down. And it was things like criticism and control and things of that sort that will really blossom into bigger and bigger issues if they if they stay alive. I know there's so much we could get into and we're going to be needing to end for time. But I want to ask you both because you've been married and together for 24 years. uh, Did you kind of have your own mistakes and that's what drove this or what made you decide to write this book together? (laughs) You start. Oh, um, I would say that we've made every mistake in the book. I think that's the best way to put it. Makes us feel Um, better. (laughs) Yeah, both of us had what we would call starter marriages when we were much younger um, that that didn't make it. And I think that while that term starter marriage, you know, is is a difficult term simply because it kind of gives people the permission to go 10 or 12 years and then get divorced. I think that a lot of times people don't know who they are when they get married in their 20s, and therefore all that baggage they brought into the marriage magically unpacks, and all of a sudden the dynamic of the marriage is really not as healthy as they'd like it to be. And these are all things that can be shifted. So we'd like to see more young marrieds reading the book before they get married and really practicing the secrets and getting an understanding of what makes a marriage tick. Because for better or for worse, is really goes down. And in secret number three, we talk about what that means. And, you know, there's going to be miscarriages, there's going to be, you know, sickness, there's going to be times when somebody loses their job, there's going to be challenges. So you really have to be prepared and have the emotional maturity to keep moving forward in a way that is about us, not about you versus me. John? If I can go back and do my, my, my youth over again, I would, I'd love to think that I should have taken two, three, four years before I jumped into my first marriage. But my, my 20-year-old self would never have listened to that wisdom. <laughs> I wish that he would have. Uh, when Anna and I first got together, I was so in love. I wanted to get married right now. And she said, you know what? I think we should wait. And I said, oh, you know, we're in our 40s. Why should we wait? But we did wait. And it was so worthwhile because, you know, it, it takes a while to really establish a friendship and learn who this person is. Uh, I think it's always wise to to wait a little bit and deepen the friendship before you tie the knot. And that knot has a much better chance of being a permanent knot. I, I love that. I, you know, I, I, I was forced to be friends with my husband as well. Uh, and I say forced because I had a theory that we'd <laughs> never work together and get and date and we work together. Now, obviously, I changed my mind about that theory. But that <laughs> the beginning of us working together as friends, um, I think, helps. So uh, I want to let everyone know. I know we're, we could talk all day, but you can follow the two of you on social media at Go Giver Marriage. The book is available wherever books are sold. This might be as we come out of the pandemic and make lots of new revelations and new intentions. This might just be just the thing to reboot your marriage because I know we've all gone through a lot of stress the last couple of years. So I appreciate you both being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you can watch uh, more information on the leading edge of wellness right here on Kara's Cures. Check it out on the WFSB app. Also follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. I'll share these episodes there as well. And you can join the Kara's Cures Facebook group as well. Have a great day, everyone. Be well.
ones can live happier, healthier lives. To learn more, go to heart.org today.